cliffcentral.com. I'm joined with two fantastic individuals, very inspiring individuals, individuals that, uh, you know, kind of make me feel a bit old, uh, but uh, two beautiful human beings. And uh, we, we're really excited to be with you here today and uh, discussing this incredibly important topic. I'll just tee it off quickly. I mean, we, we, it's, it's Women's Month. A um, couple of days' time, it's Women's Day. And uh, Maps and I, as the two guys on this program, just want to, we want to honor you, woman. We want to honor the woman of this nation. And, and, and we're here to take action. Uh, we're talking about gender-based violence, and we're talking about what we can do to stop it, you know, how we can overcome this, this dreadful scourge. Uh, so I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I've been so frustrated over the last while because every time I go to one of these sessions and uh, people talk about it, it really is just talk. And we so often just hear people restating the problem, restating the problem, restating the problem to the point where you just get a bit nauseous about the whole thing. And so we're going to try and delve into today, what, what can we do? You know, how can we stop this thing? Um, I'm joined by Maps Maponyani, uh, who needs no introduction. You know, uh, she's Maps, how many things that you do? Hey, present, design, uh, act, model, uh, and, and just thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. You and I had a conversation uh, on another Instagram thing a couple of weeks back, and uh, it was just I just felt an instant connection. Uh, really appreciated your input, and uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you very much, Craig. Candice, uh, we go back many, many years, and it's just wonderful to have you here. Uh, we laugh a lot, we talk a lot, we share ideas a lot, and, and Candice is another one of those amazing South Africans. Uh, um, author, speaker, reconciler, uh, Vogue, named her as one of the top 33 uh, women uh, influencers in the world, not just South Africa. So we're really privileged to, to have you here as well. So thank you for, for coming on board. And, and maybe, you know, we, we kick off with, with you, Candice. It's Women's Month, and... Um, uh, you, you, we want to, we want to defer to you, of you, and maybe just a couple of opening words, and, and really also just share with us how are women feeling? Where, where are women at in South Africa? Yeah, thank you so much, Craig, and I'm so happy to be here with you and Maps having this conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a really big question, right? And I don't want to pretend like I speak for every single woman in South Africa. I think it would be very arrogant to do so. Um, however, I can speak on behalf of being a South African woman and living in the country as it is at the moment. And I think, you know, as you said, we have these conversations over and over and over again. And Every time it's Women's Month, every time it's November, um, we tend to have these dialogues around gender-based violence and, you know, our unbelievably high rape statistics. And then things such as, you know, men are trashed starts to trend and that kind of dialogue begins to take place. And I think it's because we don't take a concerted effort throughout the year. It shouldn't be just in August and November and December that we're recognizing that we have these issues. This should be an ongoing conversation. And more so than being a conversation, I think, it need, serious action needs to be taken, right? And it needs to come from the top. It can't continuously be something where a woman has to get killed in front of the media and or raped or, you know, something bad has to happen in front of the media, even though we know it's happening every single day to women around, like, around the country. So I think for me, it's elevating these dialogues to action. Fantastic, fantastic. Maps, you and I had a great conversation a while back, and the only concern I had about the conversation was we ran out of time. There was so much. Uh, yeah. what, what are some opening thoughts from you on, on this on this um, very critical topic? Oh, I think just to reiterate Candice's words, it's uh, very it's very frustrating, and we've done so much around 
um, talking about it and opening the dialogues. And it's important that we do this, but in the same breath, the difficulty is that I'm pretty sure we're all really tired of, of talking mm-hmm. the whole time, you know, like how do we action it? Um, and, and, and how do we, well, I say, how do we, right? And we kind of also know the different ways that we can, but why is no action being taken? Um, yeah. Why is it not being, um, you know, policied a whole lot better? Why is there not better leadership around it? Why is there no policing around it a whole lot more? And I'm just, um, I'm getting really frustrated that, you know, talking is what we need to do, but talking is so much of what we've done and it's not yielding, um, you know, the, the, the results that we need to see. And also it's a, uh, it's just about time that we all combine our efforts and, and take action and make it a continuous effort um, and beyond a continuous conversation. We need to continue continuously be doing something. And just like every woman's month, sadly, um, it kicks off with the with um, you know the big storming passion of it's Women's Month. Let's protect. And I always kind of get frustrated at this phrase, let's protect our woman. You know, language is so important. We can't be yeah. saying things like that either. That already puts that um, possessiveness over it yeah. and that ownership over women, that entitlement already by saying that. Let's just yeah. protect women full stop. You know, not our woman. It doesn't have to be someone that you know. Um, and even if not someone that, that you know, it doesn't mean um, if it's a woman full um, at, at all that it's um, you know, anything with your full ownership or responsibility or entitlement. Let's just um, stop making life a living hell in South Africa for women on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's a culture, and I'm not talking specific ethnic culture, I'm talking a culture of masculinity, which often mm. uh, is, is present around the world. And, I, I, you know, I think I often say that you and I, everyone who exists, everyone is listening in on, on us, is only here because um, of the loving act between a man and a woman. A man and a woman came together, conceived, and you and I were born. And so the world operates when the masculine and the feminine, when the male and the, and the, and the, and the female co-create a beautiful future, where there's this beautiful mm. harmony. And we just so desire it. We so want that. Uh, you know, masculinity must be a safe space. It must be a safe space. You know, anyone who comes into the presence of a man must feel safe emotionally, spiritually, mm. physically. I, I, want to, I want to jump into this whole discussion, and, and you know we're going to have a free-flowing discussion. And, and please, if you have any questions, uh, pop them up in the Q and A. We'll do our very best to respond. Um, I want to start with a statement that says, "No boy is born an abuser. No, no one pops out of their mother's womb saying, 'I'm going to rape.' I'm going to. It's just, it's not in the DNA of humanity. Uh, same as racism. You know, it's not something that's in our DNA. It's something that mm-hmm. that is learned on the way from the journey from boy to man." And so, you know, we need to we need to analyze what's happening to our boys. What's happening to the point where, you know, someone said to me the other day, you know, if you're a, if you're a father and you have to sit down your 12-year-old boy and say to him, son, you mustn't rape a woman. Something's already gone wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, mm. it, it, you're stating the obvious. It's like saying you need to eat. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're correct, Craig. I think, you know, when we understand that, these behaviors are learned behaviors, but then we have to go back and say, where are they learned from, right? And I think South Africa for me, and this is just a theory, we come from a country that has got so much PTSD, post-traumatic stress, and, you know, from our past, right? And there were so many times in our history, well, we failed to acknowledge our history, which is another issue altogether. But I think because of that psychological effect of how people have lived for so long, 
versus how long we've been in democracy. It really doesn't weigh up, right? And so when you take that and you mix it with patriarchy, which is cultural in some ways, I think then it becomes a very tricky dynamic because the police force, for example, right? These are men that were raised in certain environments that believe that maybe a woman should be in a certain role and a man should take the head of the house. And so when you go to the police station with a woman and the police says, well, this is a domestic issue, and they send that woman back to that abusive partner and they refuse to step in. What do you do then? And I think that's where we need to begin the discussion that, you know, we need to firstly better our policing system and not just accept everyone that applies, but see where they stand with moral issues. Because if they don't believe something is an issue, they're not going to police it as if it's an issue, right? And so we start over there and then we come into our households. Why are so many people not getting help? Because I feel like abuse comes from wounding and a deep wounding. So I don't think that, you know, pointing at men and saying, oh, you an asshole. Oops, excuse my language. Excuse my language. (laughs) Telling men that they trash or, you know, saying all these things makes someone better. Because I know for me, if someone kept on being like, you trash, you're terrible. I'm just going to be like, eventually, you know what? I'm going to stop crying. I'm just going to be trash then if that's what you want me to be, right? So I think languaging, as Matt said earlier, is so important in the fight to doing, you know, this work and moving forward. It's very important to say, you know, we are looking at a very specific group of people, right? We're looking at a very specific uh, mindset. We're not looking at men overall. It's not all men that are doing this. And therefore, the men that aren't doing this, we need to pay attention to what environments that they grow up in. You know, why do they not, why do they see women as equal? Look at all the basics that we think is common sense and start infiltrating that into communities or places where people believe the adverse to be true. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Maps, I mean, you you had some very clear ideas around this, you know, in terms of the way men believe about themselves and about women. Uh, and, and moving on from what Candace is saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I think the challenge as a, as a whole, and, and as Candace really rightly states, is that we, we, we're products of our environments, you know, and, and I think the environment that we've created in society, um, for young boys and, um, and young men has not been a particularly positive one towards the outlook of, um, an equal standing or respect um, towards uh, towards women, and I think simply from that point of view, um, it starts to plant a seed of um, you know of 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 women perhaps being lesser than or being inf- or being perceived as inferior in any kind of way. And you you hear it from boys early on in school about um, you know um, that whole thing between boys being better than girls and stronger than girls and, 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 and you know what, that, um, from the stronger parts, yeah, sure. But I mean, it's not perceived in a way of cool. Then we need to do everything that we can to protect the woman. Right. You know, right. it's more, it's more than, okay, if that's the case, how do I exercise my dominance and power over a woman if I'm in this position? And I think it's that little shift that, uh, and a series of those little shifts that start to change the way that we approach, um, how we perceive women growing up when you're seeing that that's how you're being taught to do it. But instead yes. it's, um, instead it's, you know, it's very, very competitive in that spirit. And, um, a woman is supposed to do this for a man and do this for a man and do this for a man. And if that's not the case, then she needs to be put in her place. And when there isn't a sense of that 
um, equality and, and, and justice in your view and the lens that you're using, the gaze that you're using of um, a, a, a woman as seeing her as your equal, then immediately you're going to approach everything that you do and, uh, sorry, everything that you do in that way, which is um, to negate a woman's um, spirit and ability and even her own power um, because you're just going to rely on your brute strength um, to be able to dominate her when you can't do that emotionally um, or intellectually or um, in ways that require your softer skills. And and I think we lost you there. <laughs> I think I'm just going to hold it like this. My stand, my stand just tipped over. I'm so sorry. It's just like some woman came and rugby tackled you over there. <laughs> and, you know, as I was talking, I saw I saw a little bit of a tilt, and I thought, just stay cool and stick to your point. So it's all going downhill from here. And it literally did that. Um, so I think when when we start chatting, uh, start changing that attitude and behavior. Um, towards what we tell our um, our young boys and our young men, and and then how we act it out ourselves as examples as men um, towards them, because it is one thing telling boys not to do something and, and young men not to do something, and then we treat women in a certain way, or we'll passingly, passively say something to a young man um, about a woman, and then it kind of reinstates what he's seeing also in the media and how his friends are talking about women. And it's hard to really fight that when your only positive examples that should be there, like, um, you know, any of your, any, any male figures there may be, if you're fortunate enough to have a positive um, father or male figure, um, it, it's hard to change the way that you behave. And then you just start to perpetuate what's already being done. I, I mean, there are two points that both of you raised, which I think are so absolutely crucial. And, and in fact, in that little book that, that I wrote about gender-based violence, I, 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 I raised both of them as, as, as the two main causes of, of um, gender-based violence. And the one is wounded masculinity. Uh, I mean, Ken, as you mentioned, you know, men are trash. You know, men are, and, and, and Matthew, you've also, you know, the need to dominate really comes out of a sense of woundedness, doesn't it? I mean, if you mm. and I... And again, there's such a link to, to there's such a parallel between racism and and the whole uh, sexual dominance as well. You know, it's, it's categorizing someone in a certain way, which is completely erroneous. But if you think about any man that abuses a woman, why does he need to do that? You know, there, there, there's a there's a deep woundedness in him that there's this need to dominate, and it's almost like a need to prove myself. And that's the one thing, the woundedness. And I'd love you both to explore a bit of that. But the second part of it, which adds to that, is the the, the, the misconceptions around what it means to be a man. You know, we grow up in a world, I mean, the stats are frightening in South Africa. Up to 60% of children are growing up without a father. Uh, and that means that a, a boy is growing up without a role model. He's growing up without someone to teach him what it means to be a man. And so often, as Maps is pointing out, you know, we look to, to the media and we look to, to wrong concepts and wrong, wrong images about what it means to be a man. So for me, these are the two, two of the big underlying causes not excuses, because there's never ever an excuse. And I love that we've all got that, that very clearly there. You know, there's no excuse, but reasons. Uh, one is wounded masculinity. Men that are damaged and wounded and haven't been validated, and they, they feel a sense that they have to prove themselves, and then a wrong idea of what it means to be a man. You know? In order to be a man, I have to be dominant. And uh, <laughs> Maps, are you, you're keeping us awake here, brother. Uh, I'm so sorry about this, guys. No, relax. It's good. It, 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 it livens it up. So, I mean, those two things, any, any comments on that? You know, the woundedness of a lot of men. And, and Candace says what you, you rightly said, if you call a wounded man trash, chances are he's going to behave even worse. 
you know, it's like a wounded buffalo. You know, you corner a wounded buffalo, that buffalo's going to be more dangerous. Uh, so we need to heal men. And then the second point is we need to teach men what it means to be a true masculine man. You know, what Maps is saying there, it's not about dominance. It's about equality. It's about loving, caring, serving. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think- sorry, Candice. I mean, <laughs> I, actually, I actually just really want to cue Candice up here because, um, um, you know, this is always something that really irks me more than anything else. I think one of our biggest issues, especially when it comes to um, South African um, men, uh, because of the society that we're in and that we've created, that we've um, felt like we've created, so we have to uphold um, in in line with our different cultures and, uh, you know, be it the, the, the strong Afrikaans man or the strong uh, Zulu man or whatever it might be. It is all a, um, a fight for dominant machismo. You know, how do you yeah. always um, certify your manliness with being mm. the, the dominant man? The, 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 the machismo is, is, is what I think is probably one of the biggest faults in what we feel it means to be a man. And you, and, and, and you said that, how do we heal men, right? Because it's, it's such an important thing to be able to do, but without getting philosophical in any kind of way, people can do their best to try and heal someone, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to figure out how you can go in, inside yourself to heal yourself. And when there's a culture of um, overarching machismo, and very, very low EQs when men have emotional quotients of, um, you know, I, I didn't want to say of a child because child, children actually have emotional quotients um, to a certain extent that are higher because they're still allowing themselves to express what they truly feel. When men suppress every single emotion that allows them to heal. So you need to be able to feel, firstly, in order to heal. And when you're suppressing yourself, and, and strangling yourself of that ability to feel, um, and then you're telling yourself that you can't um, act your emotions out, you can't cry, uh, you can't just allow that natural process. The reason we cry is so that we can really deal with something and truly feel it and let it out, and you feel lighter afterwards. But because you can't, all of that gets bottled up, pushed down, pushed down, and it starts to build up and build up and build up, and then it starts to create this kind of rage. And I think men men don't allow themselves the neuroplasticity of change, a- allowing yourself of what you've been taught and realizing how much you are putting yourself at a disadvantage by going that way um, and thinking, you know what, this is just how I am anyway. Even when you're thinking, I need to let this out, you don't allow yourself to change your behavior around how you deal with things. And so you really do yourself a disservice as a result, and you never actually truly allow yourself to get to that point to heal, allow yourself to ever get to cry and truly let your feelings come through your eyes. It's always how I try and explain emotions to um, um, to young kids when, when they cry. It's just your, it's your feelings coming out of your eyes. And yeah. you need to let yourself let those feelings come out when it hurts. Otherwise, yeah. if you keep it in, that pain's always going to remain. And when that pain builds up so much, it overrides your entire body that you want to inflict it upon someone else. Hence, that whole thing of hurt people, hurt people. And South African men have been, in so many ways, I guess, especially for the for the fact that um, I think um, in 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 your research, uh, Craig, you found that 60% of 
of young boys in South Africa are fatherless, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and that can, and that can hurt you. You know, it feels like you, your, yeah. your father didn't care about you. It wanted nothing to do with you. And, yeah. um, you know, that was supposed to be the person that was uh, meant to build you up stronger yeah. to hopefully show you what it really means to be a healthy, true, caring man. But now you're hurt. And so you're going to hurt everyone else so that you can deal with your pain. You think you're dealing with your pain, but you're just creating more for yourself and everyone yeah. around you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, uh, what Max has touched on is so crucial because I think there's so many things that both of you guys have touched on that I just want to speak about. Uh, first, uh, just going a little bit back is the idea of, you know, racism and um, gender-based violence being in the same category. It's very interesting that a black man um, can fight against racism and know that it's mostly wrong, right? Because it's a system that impacts him directly. And that same man won't find that, you know, gender-based violence is any, there's anything wrong with that. So there is like this strange intersection that doesn't seem to merge for some people, right? And I'm not speaking about all black men, of course, but I'm speaking about mm. the people we addressing at this time. So I think that's always a very interesting dynamic to observe, right? Because it doesn't have direct impact, it doesn't matter in some ways. Coming back to another thing, uh, in terms of rape, people look at rape, it is a sexual crime in its nature, of course, but rape is not about sex, right? It's not about the pleasure of sex, it's about dominance and it's about power, and it's about exertion of that power and taking something even if you know, the other party's not willing to give it. So forcefully taking something, which in turn gives you power in that moment, right? So I think it's so important when, as we move forward and even speaking about healing, that we start directing narratives and storylines that actually resonate with people that it's directed towards. Because we can speak about this at a very high level and be like, you need to heal your pain. You need to heal your trauma. Trauma is you know, impacting you in this way. But a lot of people aren't going to take it in that manner. They're going to say, what trauma? So what my dad left? So what has happened? So, it's so much harder than they don't realize they're in it. Yeah. It's a package, right? Like it's, I always say to people just from my own experience of, you know, forgiveness and coming to terms with my pain. When you are angry and when you are in pain, you actually don't know it. People assume that you live a life of knowing. You know that you're this toxic person. You know that you're inflicting pain upon others, but you don't. It's like living your life with rose tinted glasses, right? You don't know that your life is any different from anyone else's. It's when you go to the uh, optometrist, you get new glasses and you're like, whoa, is this how everyone thinks seeing life? Is, is it supposed to be so cheap, so crystal clear? You know, so it introduces a new dynamic. And I think something that we have to pay attention to when you're speaking about healing is so many of us are married to the narrative of our pain. So no, none of us enjoy pain, but if it's the only comfort level you know, if neglect is all you know, if abuse is all you know, if, you know, um, being abusive towards your partner, being, you know, living in an uncomfortable environment is what you grew up with. It's familiar to you. Then that is what you're going to repeat. It's a cycle that feels familiar to your soul. So even though it may not mm. be healthy, even though it may not be something that you know to be right, it feels comfortable because it's what you've seen. And yeah. so when we are these conversations, it's very important to understand that there's so many layers, right? There's the socioeconomic layer where I don't believe that just because someone is unemployed or, you know, going through a hard time that they're abusive. And I don't uh, subscribe to that notion that a man will become abusive if he doesn't have a career. There are plenty of men that are unemployed that don't put their hands on a woman or are psychologically abusive or in any way. But I think it is very... No excuse. 
no excuse, right? Um, and so it's important to note that when we are dealing with the psychological layers of people, are people willing to divorce their story? Because sometimes it's more scary stepping into the unknown. It's more scary trying to be this good guy and trying to step into this, you know, narrative of like, this is what healthy looks like. This is how health, healthy masculinity looks, right? And it's like, I don't know that. I'm surrounded by people who emulate and who have emulated, who have this negative relationship with women and these negative relationships and connotations. And what we're really asking people to do is to step out of something that is home, right? It's like asking someone to leave their home and say, you know what? I know that you've seen a woman being beaten in your community. I know you've seen this playing out. I know this is your narrative of what a man looks like, but I'm asking you to cry. You know, it seems like such a basic thing like crying and release of emotion. And like Matt said, it's like, it's actually being proven that in tears, I think it's uh, the hormone serotonin that's released. So like, as you cry, you actually start feeling physically better. And so mm. it's when you're trying to explain that to a man whose whole life, his whole family lineage has told him man after man after man that men don't cry. You are weak. You're weak if you cry. Men don't do fashion. Men don't do this. Men don't do that. And you subscribe to these notions to be the outlier and potentially walk away from your family, your dynamic, your community is a lot. So I just want us to put that into the equation when we know speaking to men and asking them to be different. You know, uh, Terry, Terry Fenter asked a very uh, profound question, you know, in the chat here. Terry, he says, do you feel that the demasculization of men has a role to play in GBV? specifically uh, for the mental health of men who themselves are abused by their partners. And Terry, I, I think you've hit on something very powerful there. Um, boys, there is a wild streak in boys. There is, you know, uh, you know, someone wrote a beautiful book and he said, you know, deep in the heart of most boys is a desire for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to pursue. And so you have, I mean, if you give a bicycle to a young boy and a young girl of the same age, chances are that they're not going to look the same in three weeks' time. You know, for the boy, it's not enough just to cycle from A to B. Uh, you know, he wants to climb the tree and expand, you know. And when we raise uh, boys in a society where there are no men, there are no fathers, there are no uncles and elders, you know, what happens is no one is roughhousing with a boy. No one is saying to the boy, it's okay to climb the tree. You know, for a mom, it's a natural thing to to protect and to nurture, and that's beautiful. And that's why this 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 wonderful dance between the masculine and the feminine is so crucial for both boys and girls. But when one part of that's missing and there's no rough and tumbling, when the boy goes to his mom and says, I want to climb the tree. And the mom says, no, 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 you're going to hurt yourself. You know, he needs to climb the tree. And so we do need a society that gives boys permission to be boys, permission to be wild, but teaches them how, teaches them how, teaches them how to harness that masculine testosterone, aggression, strength, you know, maps were saying men on average are much stronger than women physically, you know, in terms of, it's just a, it's a biological fact. So what do you do with that? Men have testosterone, uh, and testosterone is there for a reason. You know, if you look at the male mm. line and the female line, you know, often you know it's a bit of a patriarchal society. The the, the the female line does most of the work of hunting, but one of the things the male does do is he protects the, the the pride. He protects no one comes near. And so, how do we use our masculine strength? We've got to give boys permission to use it and to be wild and to ride the bike into a wall and climb a tree. But then we need men to teach them how to harness that in such a way that they use it in a powerfully beautiful way. And the strength is given to serve, to love, to protect, to create a safe space. You know, Economic power is given to, to look after those that are in your care. Political power is given to serve your constituents. Wouldn't that be lovely, you know, if, we, if every political person in the world served his or her constituents? 
um, positional powers given to serve. And, and so if we teach boys and allow boys to be boys, to be men, but to use it to love, serve, honor, protect, and to provide, uh, that'll go a long way towards transforming the way our society operates and functions. Uh, perhaps I see you nodding your head sagely there. Yeah, no, I was actually going to um, say while you're on a roll, because now you got me glancing at the at the chats and didn't realize how many, um, you know, questions and everything they're already in. You know, people are people are definitely um, asking some some pertinent questions. And when you when you made the statement right now about what it means to be, um, you know, a, a a true masculine man, essentially touching on that, I came across uh, Daniel Pabu who said. Uh, who's, who's asked, what does it mean to be a true masculine man? And I think that's something that you always beautifully sum up. So I think if you, if you can just touch on that for, um, for what you feel, um, then that would be great. Sorry. Cool. Yeah. You're throwing it back at me. Huh? You can see that you're a presenter. I'm throwing, I'm throwing it back at you. <laughs> we're, we're all, we're all having a discussion. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Max, I think that's the key question, man. I mean, if we can truly understand what it means to be a man, we will not have any gender-based violence because gender-based violence is anti-masculine. It's not in the DNA of masculinity to abuse. Um, so, I mean, I, I wrote a little book around the six virtues of uh, what I believe are true masculinity. And obviously it's a massive topic and it's a massive subject. I mean, we need to come from the standpoint that men and women are equal, of equal value, worthy of equal opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. But we're different. There is a difference. And, of course, the difference is a spectrum. You know, you get some very mm-hmm. masculine you get some men that have very feminine qualities and, you, and vice versa. So there is a continuum. But if you look at the six traits that make a man a man, number one is he uses his strength well. He doesn't fail to use his strength. You know, men who fail to use their strength have a child and they never look after the child. They have a relationship and they can't step up and engage emotionally. You know, they just they, they, they fail to step up. Now, often they go into all kinds of addictions, whether it's alcohol, sex, drugs, whatever the case. So, so, and, and, or we can misuse our strength, but neither of those is masculine. Masculine is someone who uses his strength, but uses it well, you know. Uh, number mm. two, he, a man is someone who steps up and takes responsibility, who tends his fields. Whatever uh, is in his responsibility, people, himself, money, resources, uh, political power, he, he takes full responsibility and he does justice to that. So it's tending your field, taking responsibility. The third one is that he defines himself by his character and not by his possessions. You know, we live in a society where it's all about, you know, the more money you have, the more women you have, the more power you have, the more of a man you are, which is a total lie. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Some of the greatest men in our history didn't have much money or power and, and mm. were celebrated. But you know what? They had character, and it's, it's a character. Uh, the fourth one, I think, is men, uh, and this is where a lot of men go wrong. We, we're lonely, and men tend to be lone rangers. You know, you were saying that maps earlier very eloquently. We show our emotions through our tears. A lot of men don't do that. So, so the fourth thing is that men build a band of brothers. We don't hold it all up. You know, we walk together. We walk shoulder to shoulder. We work heart to heart. We don't just uh, have a beer and watch soccer with a mate. We actually share our heart, and we, we allow him to share. Uh, then the fifth quality is, is true masculinity mentors the next generation. You know, and then it starts with fatherhood. If you're a dad, being a great father, uh, be a mentor, be a role model. And the sixth thing, and, uh, you know, again, this is a weekend seminar in, in five minutes. Thanks, Maps, uh, is, is in, um, make the world a better place. You know, true masculinity is about wherever I go, I'm going to leave that place better. Whatever relationship mm. I'm in, that person's going to be better off because they're with me. So it's not about taking. Mm. It's about giving. You know, you get takers and you get givers. And I think masculinity should all be about 
I'm going to be a net giver. I want to make sure I give more than I take. And I tell you, mm. if every man lived by those six principles, we would um, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Absolutely. But then the the counter to that um, that I feel that you know someone may try and have, and then keep in mind that I, I certainly resonate with what you said there. Um, someone may may try and have, and now I'm going to throw some canvas. Um, uh, the, the counter to that is that we are now in a society where um, we're seeing a lot of the destruction or the inability to allow people to be who they are because we have strictly created those categories and those boxes of masculine and feminine. We're in an age where you are needing, where we're needing a whole lot more to view one another as, um, you know, maybe being purely just a whole lot more human and um, possibly fluid than anything else. So, I mean, Candace, would you would you then say that there is a need for these two different distinct uh, just distinct boxes of of who is who, of who is who as opposed to just us viewing each other just kind of all as um, you know one human kind of, of 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 sorts, for lack of a better way? Yeah, I, I love that because I also sort of realized that that was a theme that was coming up in the chats. And I think, you know, as far as sexuality goes, we have discovered, especially in recent times, especially with LGBTQ plus community, that gender is a spectrum, right? There's, we've got a lot. There's masculine, yes, there's feminine, yes, but there's a lot in between too. Um, mm. So I think that there is an importance to respect that. There's an re- importance to respect what people choose to identify as. Now I'm going to take that and I'm going to park it for a second. The problem would then become if we choose to take away the categories and look at ourselves as the human race, it puts us in a, I feel like at a back foot in the sense of, let me run it parallel to Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, right? It then becomes a situation of you you can't acknowledge that someone else's lived experience is different to yours because you are Mm. assuming the identity that all of us are one. Therefore, what you can do and the experience you have in life would be the experience of someone else. So I think it's very important to have these two definitive categories in the sense of, mm-hmm. you know, a masculine and a feminine in terms of our lived experience in life. Unfortunately, the world as it is today, maybe in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it will be better. But as we are and where we currently stand, we have to understand that, for example, there's a hierarchy of earning, right? White male is at the top and then like I forgot what it is and then it keeps going, going, going. And then black females mm-hmm. right at the bottom. So it's so if a black female comes into a room with a white male and he refuses to accept that he's in a privileged position simply by existing as a white man in the world and she's at a disadvantage simply by existing as a black woman in the world. And if you take away mm-hmm. race, it becomes man and woman. Um, then it's very difficult to know what, policies do we need to affect change in? Where do we need to start working in terms of, you know, policies, in terms of policing, in terms of, you know, our own homes and cultures that is going to allow both sexes to live. And I'm refer only to simplify the sexes, but um, Mm. in order for us to actually live and get to a place whereby we understand that men 
physically, yes, do have more testosterone. There is a different, we build differently. Women are more feminine and empathetic and soft in certain ways because that's how we build, right? We've got more estrogen in our system in that sense. And men biologically have more testosterone. So they're much more, you know, the go-getters and the movers. And so mm. when we acknowledge these things, instead of fighting about like our identity, it's just saying, how do we get to a place where we respect each other for who we are? And that doesn't matter what we're doing. It's like, who are you? Cool. I'm going to treat you like a human being. And you touched on this earlier, Mouse. Um, in terms of like, whenever it's these months, right, August and November, there's always something along the lines of advertising, which I find very interesting because I think that's actually how it has to get through to people. They'll say, you know, protect her because because. There has to be a because. You can't just there has to be a because. Right? Because she's someone's sister. Because she's someone's mother. Because she's someone's this. And then it shows you that our language and our conditioning is of the idea mm. that a woman in and of herself is not enough. And therefore her relation to others is what warrants her living or dying. If she's not someone's sister, if she's not someone's wife, if she's not, then don't protect her. She can figure it out on mm. her own. Harm her. But if she is, imagine it was your sister. Why does it have to come so close to home for you as an mm. individual? Oh, I can't harm another individual simply because they live and breathe and have the right to do so as much as I do. So I find that quite interesting to get my mind around. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big, it's a big, big topic. That um, it's, it's a very big topic. I think I, I, what I'd love to do is, is start to move towards, you know, what actions do we need to take? Uh, what actions do we need to how, how do we fix this thing? I mean, for me, the four main reasons, and again, not excuses at all, that men abuse are, number one, wounded masculinity. Men are growing up damaged and, 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 and wounded in a sense of uh, I need to prove myself or I don't, you know. And the big thing around wounded masculinity is I don't feel adequate. I don't feel enough. I don't feel valid or legitimate. I don't have a strong sense of my own identity. And that's rampant around the world, and particularly in South Africa because of our history. You know, the woundedness is absolutely huge. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so much of the belief that the TRC, we, we, we didn't, we stopped way too soon. It was, we, we had a, a, a political miracle, but we haven't had a healing, man. There's a deep healing that's needed and a big, deep brokenness. And it goes deep into men as well. You know, men that grew up unfathered, as Map said so eloquently earlier, there's a wound, you know, there's a, there's a real wound. Um, and so wounded masculinity, a need to prove myself, a sense that I'm inadequate, that drives so much destructive behavior. Secondly, it's, it's uh, false concepts about what it means to be a man. Someone mentioned in the comics, you know, we should stop saying to men, man up. Because uh, what, what does it mean when you say man up? Does it mean that you're not allowed to have any emotions? Does it mean that you have to be strong and dominant? You know, we need to change our understanding of what it means to be a man. And I keep saying strength is given to serve. You know, we see masculinity as the, being the privilege of being able to serve and protect and provide, you know, that's, that's a different take. It's not about, as Map says, the, the machismo. It's got nothing to do with the size of your biceps or the size of your bank balance. That's got nothing to do with it. It's, it's how do you pitch up? How do you love and serve? How do you honor people? How do you respect? And the third thing is this misconception around the, the, the value of women. You know, both Candace and Maps have touched on this, that we grow up often in a society uh, being taught erroneously as men that men are superior to women that woman's place is in the home. You know, there, even there's so many jokes around that. Uh, and it's just a wrong understanding. You know, if we view women as absolutely equal human beings to us, uh, that a woman can lead, a woman can earn more than me, a woman can be a fighter pilot, you know, um, I, and, and as a man, I can be a stay-at-home dad, and that doesn't make me less of a man. And, you know, if we, if we just get this 
equality of value, the right, mm. uh, for, that's the third biggest reason. And the fourth is uh, emasculating circumstances. You know, men who are humiliated or unemployed, if they haven't got those first three right, they tend to become behaviorally badly. Either they destroy themselves mm. in alcohol and other things, or they lash out and destroy others. So, so Matt, what, what is your, your thought? I mean, those four, four reasons. I mean, actually, on that point, it, um, it, it, it segues quite nicely into how men also then deal with that in two completely different ways. Um, well, I'm going to use two examples. It could be a few more ways. But this week alone, um, my best friend's neighbor, who's been um, unemployed for, um, for a while now, um, of course, because of the pandemic and just being kind of struggling, has been fighting very often with his wife. And um, my best friend, you know, now and again kind of um, bumps into him in the road and they chat about the business and everything. And my best friend just happens to be my partner as well in our restaurant industry. And so, you know, he mentions to him that uh, we were struggling with the restaurant as well. So, you know, hopefully this period will go, will, will, will go by. And this man just so mentions to him that, it's just really difficult, though, because, you know, we've got the kids and my wife is putting so much pressure on me to come up with a plan. And every day I'm feeling like I'm just not making things happen because she's reminding me how much I'm letting um, the family down, you know, and I just really want to make this happen for us so badly. Anyway, long story short, and a horrible way to kind of end the long uh, the, the the story and, um, you know, use that way of saying it is that this man two days ago committed suicide. Mm. And he, he, he felt so humiliated, as you mentioned, and, and, um, um, emasculated as a result. And it was something he just couldn't handle and he didn't know any other way to deal with it because it's just what the man has to do. And with the pressure, uh, that you're being put on because of what you are pressurized in society to have to do as the man, um, that's how it was dealt with because of that wounded masculinity. Um, as, as you refer to the other way, um, once again, sadly, is that um, there was a, a case of a young woman. Um, I think her name was, uh, Noctula in the, in the East Rand who, um, you know, she was working at a, um, beg your pardon. She was an assistant at a, at a fashion boutique, which subsequently closed down. And her husband, um, had also just, uh, lost his job too. And they were struggling at home and in a fight and in a conflict and, and her, um, and him kind of butting heads in a big way. He felt he had the right to take out his gun and shoot her and she got killed yesterday. And now oh. they've, you know, he's, he's, he's currently, um, being held in, 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 in custody. They just had a, a baby. There's a four month old they've left behind. And in both cases, you've got, these two conflicts between the two sexes, but you've got the one um, sex being the, the the masculine that feels like it has either, um, you know, completely failed in its role to be a man and has no other way of uh, feeling its validation, and the other way of being completely disrespected because it is a man and it it now feels like it, uh, uh, you know, he has the right to dominate in that way. And in both pictures, there's something so much bigger than that being the children 
in the family, being the fact that there's so much life ahead of that, but because of the way that we've completely obliterated our ways of communication as well, and because of what we've set up in terms of how you are supposed to be, and because of our lack of, of our lack of sensitivity as well uh, to one another, and therefore not being able to really deal with anything together in a constructive manner, um, these are your two outcomes. And yeah. if it matters, it doesn't really matter. Um, the male that I commit, committed suicide was a white male, and the, and the, and the man that had um, shot his wife was a uh, black man. But it can go both ways. And I'm just, Absolutely. you know, I'm just trying to say that that it it just you just it's it's left us all just so wounded collectively um, that we don't even know how to speak to one another. And I think it really comes to comes down to communication and what you allow to take place, what you allow, um, and and um, I guess allow your your partner to be able to feel um, for them to know that. You are there. It's, it's a supportive structure. They can cry. We're all going through this together. There is hope. Um, and that I'll hold your hand through this. And that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make you feel any lesser than because you can't provide. Um, and then there's the other case of, um, yeah, a, a horrible means of, of, of interaction. Well, Max, I mean, you uh, just, you've just given an example. Sorry. Okay. Now, you know, just wounded masculinity. False concept of masculinity resulted in the destruction of lives, one himself and one his partner. And it's just a devastatingly mm. graphic example of what we say. Candice, you, you, you had lots of thoughts there. Now, I just want to touch on, I mean, what Max has shared is so true and it's so accurate for the world at large, actually. I think the need for improved communication is at an all-time high, you know, um, add a pandemic into the kind of country we have, unfortunately, and things elevate and escalate. Uh, there's something I really want to touch on, though, before we go, is shame and guilt are very toxic, low vibrational emotions. You can't shame mm. a person into changing, nor can you guilt them into changing, because it's been psychologically proven that when you guilt and shame someone and they feel those emotions, their natural reaction is actually to shrink and rather not act and behave and just like close themselves off rather than well, take it and actually. Yeah, exactly. So it's very important for us as women, especially when things do happen, that we don't get triggered to the point of, you know, degrading men. Because I don't care how strong you are as a man. I don't want to be called a B word or a W word or all the words, you know, in the dictionary that dehumanize me. Nor should I nor do I believe that any other human being wants to be that, right? And I don't think it's conducive and I don't think it's worked up till this point. You know, hashtagging and you know trying to get men behind a hashtag such as men are trash. Because good guys aren't going to necessarily support it. They're going to feel like I want to support it. But at the end of the day, but I'm not a trash dude, so how the hell do I get on this bandwagon? Because by agreeing, it's also subsequently saying that I too carry this, you know, label. And so I think it's very important that we move away from guilting and shaming men. And we start looking at it as how do we become, you know, how do we as women become more supportive? Because I do think that there is an element of certain women 
or slightly speaking about certain men that fall into that category of they demasculate a man and they con- consciously, because society is on our side in this one, right? We kind of win this one in terms of if we come out and, and let's say Maps rejects me and I tweet and I'm like, he was an asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cuss a lot. Um, and no. he was that, and you know, and I hashtag it. It's very like likely that people are going to be on my side and they're not going to get in the light of day. So I think it is very important as a society that we start policing our conversations, number one, but we also start paying attention to you can't just jump on a bandwagon. You really need to start getting to a point where we're like, how do we address this? And I think that's where I want to end. I want to ask you guys, you know, as men who are good men, right, how do we actionably help? Because I think a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the people and the men that are on this webinar are usually not the men that need it. They're the good guys. Mm-hmm. And they want to know, how do I, as a good guy, go into the world and help? And, you know, when I do something, what do I do that helps society and the community? Mm-hmm. Maps, you want to hit that one first, and then I'll jump in. Um, yeah, I can, I, I can try. I mean, it's a question that's been bothering me for for a very, very long time now. And, you know, each time we all take to the streets and all take to social media and, and you know, we all speak about all the different ways, um, it seems to yield very little. So it, it keeps feeling like you're making these progressive steps, but when nothing is happening, it feels like we're just, um, you know, all lying dormant and not really um, finding any real solutions. But I think it... Um, it all it all starts with um, something as simple as what you allow to occur around you as a man. Um, what kind of conversations you allow to take place? What you deem acceptable? What you um, a- allow to kind of pass by and ignore um, and kind of laugh off, even if you don't believe in it. And um, instead of confronting men and 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 getting them to actually change their way to um they they change the way of how they speak about um women because that's that's a very very big part of it um and then it's um it's being it's it's being able to call out things such as um microaggressions um and then addressing as to why those things are problems it's um it's you know being proactive enough if a man um if a man perhaps in a way i don't know let's say lightly um rubs a woman's arm even though you know he doesn't even know the woman that well they don't have that kind of relationship or if, if they're in the workspace or whatever it might be actually saying why are you why are you doing that you can clearly see that that's going to make her uncomfortable she's clearly uncomfortable by it um why why do you continue to do that and and if the woman says that to him he probably won't really take it very seriously but if another man says it um you know sadly it always takes that for them to actually maybe think twice about it um or really if just if they're just an aggressive man we'll probably take it out on that man but at least you've made sure that you've put your foot down in a situation where the woman doesn't even feel safe enough to be able to address that and i think that's why it also continues because women don't feel safe enough to address that because there's so many um other possible conditions and repercussions that can come with addressing how they are treated within the workplace for example that may uh, determine how they are treated when it comes to their actual work and when it comes to their performance and when it comes to how they are treated and when it comes to whether they get 
uh, that promotion or whatever it is, that's why they just end up feeling helpless and these things continue because they are not seen as a problem or problematic and are not pushed out um, as soon as they do raise that awareness. Because as soon as the man is called out by the woman, then the woman is uh, seen as, as the problem. And it's so hard when you have developed those environments where that's always the case because you're just causing more issues at work if you're going to be complaining about it. It's fine. He didn't mean it. Just, just leave it. Just, just, just leave it. You, you're now making it an issue. Um, no, no. but that's how it's, <laughs> that's like it. you don't know how to take a compliment. I think that's what it's <laughs> No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you just don't know how to take compliments. And you know what? It's always you beautiful woman or woman like you who think you're beautiful that will always, you know, look, you're just looking for attention, you know, and it's, and it's those kinds of, um, problems or, or, or things that we always need to address and change within the workplace and take more seriously that will trickle down into um, actual um, and learning your types of behavior. All those moments are teachable moments of really of, that we should really be taking advantage of and putting men in their place about. But there's so many other ways through how you can do it when you actually see it as opposed to turning a blind eye to it. I think as men, we're always turning a blind eye to it. I I was fortunate enough, um, and I will state, where I grew up very close to my mom. I'll, I'll slip in a little funny story, and I'll try to be as quick as possible, um, but how it's kind of made me so close to my mom. My mom always wanted one boy and one girl, and um, she decided on her on her children's names when she was 14 years old. And she was going to name her children Katlaho and Masejo. Katlaho is a boy's name in the Tzana culture. Masejo is very much a girl's name in the Tzana culture. My full name is Masejo. And she had my brother first, named him Katlaho. Had me disappointed I wasn't a girl, but named me Masejo anyway. So I'm essentially Sarah in English. You know, it's something we always kind of laugh about at home. Um, and, and she kind of, we grew up very close to each other and, and she raised me like I was her girl. So I got to, see insight of she would always tell me the things that she was feeling about how my dad would treat her a certain way and i would get to go to the um the the, the women's functions or the societies they called them um you know stockfell societies and you'd hear how all the women in the room are feeling about their relationships and how they're feeling about their husbands and they would cry about this and that but really it'd be in a safe place where they can all express that with each other and i was always just so attentive to what was happening and I'd always be extra sensitive towards that and always want to then, as a result, feel I had to, you know, protect my mother and protect women, um, you know, in any way that I could. And as I grew up uh, older and older and, and, and even in high school, I didn't get in many fights. But whenever I, whenever I did get in fights or get hit, it was always because I was intervening when a man was uh, was was trying to muscle over a woman or about to hit a woman. And then I was hit for not being in my place, you know, just being this boy that's getting involved in, in issues between two, um, two uh, people that are in their own relationship. But I was raised to always identify that as something that was inherently wrong. And perhaps it's a very kind of unique way of doing it, but it's something that should be obvious to each and every one of us. And I've always tried to make it my duty, and we should all make it our duty collectively as men, to always address and call out and make it an issue when something 
uh, when a man treats a woman in a way that is, is going to cause her harm or cause her any kind of discomfort, and it's our responsibility to always protect against that. Sorry, I went on and on there, but uh, that's, no, that's, that's, that's just conversation. I mean, one of the things, and we, we're almost coming to an end, and we'll carry on a little bit longer for those who can stay, but one of the things we're doing today, which I'm very excited about, is, is Father Nation, uh, sponsored by No Excuses, we're launching a, a free online course to anyone who wants to get involved. We're basically saying to men, there's no more excuse, here's an online course. And it goes through what are the different forms of abuse, because it's not just rape or sexual harassment. There's many more different forms of abuse that take place. It goes to, it speaks in detail about the four reasons why abuse happens, not excuses, but reasons. And then it talks about five actions that every man can take. And we might touch on them briefly and five actions that women can take to add their part to the cause. The reason I worded like that is because this is a, you know, this is a, a masculine induced thing and men need to step up and be the drivers of the solution. But women can also add their part to the cause by doing five different things. So I've, I've, I've put up on, on the screen, it's a free course. It's four modules. Um, it's a video, exercise, quiz, um, some reading material. You can do it in a couple of hours. But it's something that, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the questions here is how can we as men get other men to come to these? And this is a big problem because, you know, we're preaching to the choir here. I guarantee that the men and the women yeah. that aren't seminar are, you know, almost don't need this. But, but here, here's a tool that we're launching out there to give everyone, and we can spread this far and wide. And we want to start a, a national movement of men saying, you know what, not on my watch. I'm going to step up and stand up. And yeah. we're calling it, um, uh, uh, this is our fight, men. Step up by signing up. So I put, I put the URL on here. It's, uh, it's basically um, www.fatheronation.co.za forward slash no excuse. And there we talk about mm. um, these things and actions we can take. I mean, if I can just maybe quickly throw the five actions that men can immediately start taking. And then I'd love Candice to, you know, because um, she's got such a powerful insight into one of the things that women can do. But the, the, the five things that men can do, and obviously these are much, I'm, I'm not going to do them justice, but number one, look in the mirror. You know, am I wounded? Am I hurt? I often say to men, what, what are you bringing to the party? Are you bringing the wounded boy? Because basically every one of us as men has a, a boy inside of us. And often that boy wasn't raised and the boy was wounded and the boy wasn't fathered. But if I'm bringing the wounded boy to life, I always have to be right. I always have to be validated. Uh, I'll, I'll do all kinds of things because, but or are you bringing the mature, strong man? You know, the kind of man Maps is talking about. So look in the mirror. Number two, examine your beliefs about masculinity. What do you believe it means to man up? Does it mean to be able to cry, to be able to love, to serve, to be vulnerable? Or does it mean the machismo that Maps was talking about? Number three, examine your beliefs about women. Do you believe that they have a place uh, which is less than you, that there are certain things that they must do, that you can't wash dishes because your, your dad never washed dishes? Uh, you know, do you believe that women are inferior in any way? So examine your beliefs about both masculinity and about femininity, about, about the place of woman. Number four, be a great father, role model, and mentor. You know, somebody's watching you as a man. All of us, men, boys are, young boys are watching us. They, they, we're teaching to them how to be uh, men. Young boys look to older men to learn how to be a man. And so often they look to the vices of older men as opposed to their virtues. They see gangsters, you know, that have got cars and bling, and, you know, and they, and they aspire to that kind of behavior. They see maybe rap stars that have gone wrong or rock stars or sportsmen or politicians or whatever, and they follow that kind of behavior. As, and you and I as men need to step up and say, I'm going to be a great role model. And number one, it starts, if I'm a dad, be a fantastic present and engaged father. And the, and the fifth thing that we need to do as men, and that goes very much to what Maps was saying, be dangerous. 
We need to be dangerous. Uh, never to women, never to children, never to each other as brothers, never to society. But we must be dangerous to whatever threatens society. You know, racism, prejudice, corruption, uh, bribery, uh, abuse of women, these things should fear men because we should not tolerate it. You know, I love what Maps was saying there. You know, whenever he got hit, it was because he was stepping up. He was dangerous to whoever was doing the abuse. And I think as men, we need to give ourselves permission to be dangerous, but to be dangerous to the danger, not dangerous to, to society or women or children. And I think if we as men do that and do it immediately, and, you know, this, is, this course that we're launching is the kind of thing that you can take and spread it far and wide, that we can begin this conversation around men, equipping them with tools to take action uh, and not just to talk. So uh, please, please take advantage of that course. It's, it's free and, uh, and you can do it. Candice, I want to throw this to you. Uh, you. You've always got so many sage words, but what, what advice would you give to women? Uh, you know, Matt, I can speak to men, and, and Matt's made a great point that a, a man who's going to be an abuser or is an abuser won't listen to a woman. He won't. You know, it's in his nature not to do it. That's where Maps and I and other men need to step up and, and be the ones who say no. What advice would you give to, to women? Because there are things you can say to women that we can't as well. Yeah, you know, Chris, first I just want to bring it back just quickly and just touch on something that I think we, um, I think whenever we speak about abuse and have these kind of conversations, we're doing the broad strokes, right, the the big things in terms of, and when Maps was speaking, it actually reminded me, uh, we speak about, you know, the guy who's physically going to hit his wife, you know, uh, the guy who's going to go out there and rape. But I think the biggest problem in South Africa, or at least around the world even, is the fact that they are nuanced abuses, right? The, the the fact like when you touch a woman and she has to say, I've got a boyfriend who feels safe and be like, and then it's like, oh, there's another man in her life. I might need to step away. But there's always these validations that we have to give men when we do not feel physically safe within our environment. And I think that borders on abuse. And I think a lot of men would not view that as abuse. They'd be like, no, she's just the woman I like, even though I'm being incredibly aggressive about my approach or, you know, no, I was just trying to give her a compliment or no, I can make inappropriate jokes around her about, you know, rape and, you know, taking her to bed and that kind things so i think it's important to realize it's nuanced right and before we act it's up here it's the thoughts we're thinking consistently that actually inform our actions because a man who's not thinking that a woman is inferior is probably not going to go beat up a woman right he's not going to rape a woman or he's not going to push himself onto a woman so i think it's very important that you pay attention to the mind but coming back to what women can do you know it's i always err on the side of caution when i speak about this because i always think oh you know, another thing, another piece of advice for women to protect ourselves from men, right? But I think one thing that I think was so important and a life lesson I've had to learn too, and that has saved me a world of heartache is women are not rehabilitation centers for broken men or badly raised and I mean, I used to feel like I had the best rehab center in town. I was like, you're broken. Oh, you've got issues. Come in here. I've got it. Here's the key. You know? And um, I joke about it. I'm like, this is the house, you know. Um, I, I think it, it's, I joke about it, but it's very true. I think society teaches women that if you love someone, you need to take all of it, right? You need, even though they're bad, you hold on to the little bit of light. Whereas you need to understand mm. Until a man heals himself, he's no good for you and he's no good for his environment either. So I think the things that women can do before you get into a relationship is from a relationship standpoint. Before you get into a relationship, make sure that you are observing the data in front of you. Not the potential, not the feeling, but the actual data. Does this man have issues with women? Because you know what? 
what I love about men, they'll tell you up front. They may not blatantly be like, I'm a misogynistic pig, but he'll be like, you know, my, the way he refers to his last girlfriend, right? Or oh, that beep or that, if he speaks like that about someone he loved, he's going to speak. Yeah. He has no respect for women. So pay attention to the data in front of you. In terms of in the physical world, in the physical environment, I think especially with women, it's so difficult to do this, but I think it's so important that you start trusting your intuition. It's so because I think women are raised to be so polite that we do it at our own detriment so often. And I think the biggest thing I'd say to women is always trust your intuition about a situation. There's so many times a woman will find herself in a predicament where she's like, oh, she feels in danger, but she'll be like, Oh, God forbid I make him feel uncomfortable, even though he's infringing on my personal space and in my personal barrier, you know? So I think it'd rather be what's perceivably rude and remove yourself from a situation that could harm you than stay in a situation, you know, not trusting your intuition. And I just want to tell a quick story about this. I interviewed a lady called Evie Pomporis. And so she was a, a Secret Service agent. She protected Barack Obama and previous presidents. And basically one thing she said about intuition in her job is she was interviewing these women and this woman got mugged. And she said, you know, like what, like run me down the events that happened. And she's like, I was walking on this road and I, this guy started walking very close to me, but we made eye contact and I didn't want to make him feel bad. Even though I wanted to run and get out of the way, I was so afraid he'd think that I think he's a criminal, which he was. Um, and I would have, and I, so I stayed, right? And so I always think women are so conditioned. I've done this plenty of times, you know, and I know a lot of women tend to. Instead of trying to make someone else feel comfortable, prioritize your safety, prioritize yourself, whether that's in a relationship romantically that you're looking to engage in or that's in your personal environment. If you don't feel safe, get out. So I'd say those are the things yeah, that I yeah. Oh, and I'd probably add, like, you know, Men don't respond well. No human being responds well to being called a pig or misogynistic. And I know some people will say to me, we're not going to coddle men. No, you're not coddling someone. But I think it is very important that if we actually want change, to also take responsibility for saying, how do I enhance this change? How do I become a part of making sure that this happens? Is it your responsibility? No. Is racism your responsibility? No. Can you impact, you know, the flow that we get better and we progress better? Yes. So those are the few things that I'd say. Fantastic. Awesome. You, you cannot fix wow. you cannot fix a broken man or rescue him. He needs to go and get sorted out himself and come back. And uh, uh, don't stay in a relationship where you're the rescuer. I agree 100%. Fantastic advice. Maps, do you, can you beat that, man? That was, that was quite profound. <laughs> No, I mean she's she's uh, <laughs> she's definitely um, summed it up beautifully. Um, I just just wanted to comment again and reiterate to everyone to go to uh, fatherination.co.za forward slash no excuse and go do um, that online uh, module. It really really is helpful. And those booklets, um, the booklets that are out are also fantastic. Um, so it would be great to um, to let everyone know where they can find those too. Um, yeah, no. I look. I'm in. I'm in complete accordance with um, with Candice there. And there were a couple of times where I was just like um, itching to just uh, tip in a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of which which way or thought to to even take it really. But it's uh, it's exactly that. And I think um, we 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 find ourselves in 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 these um, ways of 
feeling like that's what a, a woman is supposed to do. You know, when Candice was mentioning um, fixing men, um, and and it's because of how uh, you know you, you're kind of taught in society that that's what should happen, and a woman's put all this pressure onto them. Um, and one thing I wanted to point out was her first point about you know looking at the data and not accepting how you're treated. If there's one notion that really frustrates me and I, I have to bite my tongue sometimes and I've, I've stopped doing that, but I used to bite my tongue quite often. Um, and I realized that was actually part of the problem was whenever women would refer to other women as being strong women, when they were just quite frankly, just being mistreated in every single way. And women will just be like, Oh, such a strong woman, you know, just, you know, he's, 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 he's here doing this, with this person and that person, and we know he doesn't treat her that well or um, whatever it might be, but it was it's always a strong woman narrative. Um, and then the other moments are when I'm speaking to some of my um, friends who are women and they're in quite destructive relationships um, or toxic relationships, and it's very clear that it's not a healthy relationship to be in, and, you know, you just rather need to get out as... Um, uh, Candice had mentioned really just looking after your safety. So it's kind of two bringing two together. Um, and those women then are told by sometimes their mothers, sometimes their close friends or whatever it might be. And it's a, and, and, and they told, wait, you're going to leave a man because he did what? Wait, wait, you're going to leave a man because he called you that? You're going to leave a man because he hit you? You're going to leave a man because he cheated you? But he's a man. What are you, what, what are you going to fix even better? And you do that and you allow that um, to happen so often until it reaches boiling point and sadly you're the one who's worse off. And a lot of the time, you know, in, in the worst cases, you're, you're fortunate if you, if you are still able to talk about it, you know, and, and I think it's, um, it's just really important to reinforce that about, um, you know, that communication, what you allow. And because, of men playing on the weaker um, and being manipulative, manipulative as a result, uh, will always kind of a lot of the time feel like it's just something that we'll keep doing then because you're always going to get away with it and it won't be called out because women um, a lot of the time will accept it. And I think in, on, on all parts, we really need to uh, definitely draw that line and, and show that there's no acceptance or, or excuse for being treated that way. And I think that's up to trickle down and you know it, it starts to actually be a thing where where men are hearing from other men no she left me because i i did this to her um oh uh, yeah she left me too because i did this to her and she left me because i called her this but that doesn't happen enough it, it really doesn't and i think because it doesn't men just feel like they can do whatever they want yeah. and it's um it's that sense of ownership um once again that we just need to completely flip on its head and speaking of ownership, and I know we're in the part now where we're kind of looking at um, questions and everything. I just wanted to be able to um, address a question. I forgot who it was from around someone saying our concepts or, 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 or constructs or traditions such as giving lobola also not a big problem um, um, as far as this goes. Uh, because then you kind of then exercise ownership over a woman or a woman feels like they are um, owned by you. But that's another problem that we have allowed to perpetuate in society. When I say problem, it's the 
idea or the belief that that's the case. Because originally, um, you would um, take out Lobola or give Lobola to a woman. It was just simply showing as a man it was a gesture towards a woman's family, not, not, not because of, you know, because she has X, Y, Z, you have to give her this many or whatever it might be. It's never about that. It's always been about a gesture of kindness of, um, because you're entering this family, it's showing that you're able to provide for the woman. You'll be able to protect the woman and that you are kind of, um, it's a way of showing that honor towards women. But now it's kind of been diluted into this whole thing of, if I get this many cows, you are now mine and I, and I own you and you, and you are my, my property when it was never the case. And I think that kind of way that it's been spoken about a lot of the time when it comes to Lobola, even within the cultures and how it, I feel like it's traditionally now taking a, a left turn perpetuates that attitude by men of, yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to get her cows. And then finally, you know, when we end the relationship where we're married now, I'll I'll just always you know remind her um, who's boss as a result, but it's that it's never about that. The woman is always her own person, and 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 so the man should always be their own person too, and that should never um, then insinuates that you've now exercised ownership of the other person. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a misconception of culture. It's not. It's an abuse of culture. It's not what the culture really needs. Yeah, and I think it's so crucial. You know, it's it's a man displaying that he has the. The, the ability to take care of and to provide for, as opposed to buying, uh, very much so. Very, very good point. And I think a lot of a lot of the time, men and one of the one of the strategies abusers use is they use scripture or religion or culture or tradition. They use it to to yeah. own means of abusing. And it's not it's it's a lie. It's a mis it's a mistake of culture, religion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Um, yeah, I, I just want to, you know, maybe finish up on the note that, you know, we, we're a little bit over time now, but the five things uh, in this in this material that we're putting out there, the five things that women can do to add to their power, uh, very hard to put it better than, than Candace put. But number the number one is, is don't accept false masculinity. Don't. You know, abusers often will um, use a number of strategies. They'll, they'll blame you. They'll make, uh, they'll minimize it. They'll deny that any abuse is taking place. Uh, they'll they'll alienate you from your family, your support structure. If any of those things have, just don't accept it. You know, right from the start, someone treats you in a way that you feel less than, cut it right there. Do not accept it. You know, we uh, if we, we're assertive in saying I'm not going to accept that kind of behavior, chances are they're going to they're going to run away because bullies are cowards. Many times bullies are cowards, and if you don't accept it, so number one, don't accept false masculinity. Number two, value your own womanhood. Know the incredible power and beauty and what you bring as a woman. Know that because when you know that, uh, you give this you, you, people people respect that. Uh, when you know it and you respect yourself, it gives off a certain air that uh, I, I'm a queen. I'm not going to tolerate this kind of thing. And people do respect. So value yourself. Never underestimate or undervalue. And I and I really hate the advice that some, as as you were saying, Candice, women get from their moms. You know, just you know that's what that's what women do. Keep it up. Be strong. You know, it's it's. Value yourself, you know. The third thing is to understand and value true masculinity. Just as we call out false masculinity, you know, the one thing that men, you might find the strange, the, the thing that men want most from women, uh, and it's not what you think it is, is respect. We want respect. And so when a man is a good man and does, if you can value that and respect that, that's a, that, that goes a long way to, to growing and promoting positive masculinity. The, the fourth thing to do is to be a great mother, role model, mentor. 
never give a young woman advice or never model to a younger woman how, uh, how not to be treated by a man. You know, if, if a young woman looks up to you and you're being mistreated by a man, you're modeling to her the wrong way. So be that great model, that, that great mentor, that role model. And finally, be free from bitterness. So many women have a reason to be bitter. You've been hurt by a man, either abused or whatever the case may be. And there's reason to be angry. But, you know, bitterness is a poison that you don't deserve. Bitterness is something that will destroy you. It won't affect the man that's hurt you in any way. And so the sooner you can let go of that, not to say what happened was all right, not to reconcile with that person, but just to let go, take back your power um, and, and, and be fully alive as the woman that, that you are. So, Candice, I don't know if you want to say one or two, 30 seconds, just closing off, and then Maps, lovely to hear a final word from you, and then we'll, uh, we'll close off. All right, Craig, those were so good. And so I just wanted to add very quickly. Um, so I do work around forgiveness. I'm a forgiveness advocate for those who don't know. Um, and I just want to really highlight what you just said at the end there. When you forgive something, it doesn't mean you should let it back in your life. It's very different. Forgiveness is very different from reconciliation. You can forgive and you can mm-hmm. let it You don't need to keep that energy in your space or that person in your space. And I think it's so important, again, to highlight everything you've said. Boundary setting is so difficult. When you're a woman who's been raised without a father or in an abusive home or in a toxic environment, it is likely that you're going to attract those kind of partners to you. So something that I would recommend women do is write your boundaries, like write them, like pen, paper, write it. Put it where you can see it. When you're speaking to a man, when you're getting into the dating field, Make sure that you know what your boundaries are before you engage because it will give you more power when you are engaging because your natural chemistry is like, oh, he, he reminds me of my dad. Oh, my dad was emotionally unavailable. My dad wasn't around for me. My dad was this. And so you crave that in a partner. And so like a drug addict, you've got to cut yourself off. And even when you're feeling that, you've got to be firm with yourself so you don't allow that energy into your space. And just understanding that you're okay, you're not broken. You know, as a woman, when you are attracting these kind of men or you are, you know, vibing with these kind of people, you're not broken. It's a system of learned behavior you learned as a child. And therefore, you've got to unprogram it, you've got to unlearn it. And it's okay to be compassionate with yourself. So all of that, I just wanted to add into already, you know, summing it up so beautifully. So I'll throw it to Matt now. <laughs> no, absolutely. You, you, you both summed it up perfectly beautifully. There's nothing else I can say besides, um, yeah, it's, it's something I like to always end off with when it comes to something like this. And it's a, it's a fact that we're all morally, morally, morally obligated um, and responsible to change the society, whatever society we grow up in, um, in, in, in a positive way and leave it better than, than we found it in our lives. So that's what we all need yeah. to do. And collectively as an effort, um, we have that responsibility to actually make the efforts and, and actions to change the society for, for better and leave it for, um, for the better in, in, in our lifetime. Fantastic. And we can. I think that's a, a lovely way to end the mess. And we can. We've got the strength and the power and the influence to do that, to make this world a better place. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you so much, Candice. I think I'm going to go and have a burger at uh, Buns Away. Matt is uh, <laughs> down the road from you. I think that's where to end the, end the week. But uh, really appreciate you guys being here. Wonderful insights. Uh, once again, there's so much more to say, but I think uh, you've both said some beautiful things and much appreciated. So. Kudos Thank to you so much, Candice. Thank you so much, Craig. Um, so and let's, let's continue the conversation. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, and we shall. Joined and watched. Thank you to everyone who attended. So yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much.
Take, take okay. us out and, and change the world. As Matt said, we can change the world. Cliffcentral.com.